Have you realized yet that your purpose in life is constantly evolving? The thing is, it can only evolve, grow, and expand to the extent you're willing to do the work to heal. That's why I've created a transformative half-day virtual event designed for purpose chasers who want to integrate their authentic selves in every aspect of their life. Together, we're going to co-create conversations around reflecting on current patterns, amplifying your genuine desires, prioritizing fulfillment over the facade of what you should do, and we'll talk about achieving actual tangible results. I believe our work together will have a profound impact on your life as we break you out of autopilot, scale your potential, and set you up to attract everything you say you desire. Plus, this space will be an enjoyable and supportive environment for new connections with like-hearted purpose chasers from all over the world. Together, we will laugh, dance, and maybe cry, but we'll be doing the work together. If this speaks to your soul and you want to detox and release what's no longer serving you so you can live fully in the pillars of redefining wealth, tickets are currently complimentary for this half day of coaching, training, and co-creating a new blueprint for your heart's desires directly with me. So grab your ticket today at patricewashington.com slash soul detox. That's patricewashington.com slash soul detox. What you do personally, absolutely 100% adds value in a corporate setting as well. You're listening to the Redefining Wealth podcast with Patrice Washington. In today's episode, I sit down with Melissa Lorena. She is a career strategist who believes that everyone should be able to create a career they can love. Hey there, this is Patrice Washington from patricewashington.com, where we chase purpose, not money. Welcome back to the Redefining Wealth podcast, where I am super excited to talk about today's topic because I just truly believe that I am doing each and every day work that I love. And I want to make sure that you also have the opportunity to experience that. If you are new to the Redefining Wealth community, welcome to you. Here's the big thing you should know about us. This community believes that wealth is more than money and material possessions. You have to understand that wealth at its core is all about well-being. And we achieve that by really taking a look at our lives in several areas. And if you want to know what those areas are, we call them the six pillars of wealth. But you can go back to the beginning episodes of this podcast. That's the foundation. And listen to each pillar so that you truly understand when we say fit pillar or people pillar, or today we're talking about work pillar, what the heck we're really talking about. And I have to give a shout out to my OG listeners and Purpose Chasers, especially those over in the Patreon community. That is the official online community for the Redefining Wealth podcast. And they are helping me shape what we talk about on the podcast. For the first year of Redefining Wealth, which I am so proud of. We made such great progress, 300,000 downloads and so many individuals served. And I loved it, but I realized that I think I have great ideas, but there's nothing better than hearing from you. Those of you in the community who look to this podcast for the answers, I really depend on you at this point in that Patreon community to tell me what you need. Tell me what you want and tell me what's going to help you live your best life. And I pose the question and these last couple weeks of episodes have been because those purpose chasers, I believe, represent a great mix of the community. And so understanding how you can create a career you love came out of that conversation. Now, if you want to be a part of that conversation and you want to have some influence and some leverage on what we're doing around here, then I invite you to come check it out. Really proud of that space. It's I am a purpose chaser dot com. That is your way to give me some input into what you want to see here. That's I am a purpose chaser.com. And so thank you, Purpose Chasers, for making this conversation today happen because it was even a blessing to me. And I've been an entrepreneur virtually my entire life. I've never really been one of those people who wanted to move up a corporate ladder, but I know that many of you in this community, you're in that space when you are trying to figure out how to navigate these different terrains and how to use your gifts so that you are still fulfilled in the nine to five. And let me tell you, I have never been one to shame a nine to five. 
I have never understood why people talk mess about folks who get a consistent paycheck while they struggle talking about they live in their dream. (laughs) I've just never been one to understand it. I've actually said on several occasions, my husband will attest to this, that I wish I could follow some path and do a career, like be in a career, if you will, in a corporate setting. It just never really spoke to me though. I never felt called to go down that path, but many of you do. And so I want to make sure that you are using your right gifts in the right space. Because I know that unfulfillment comes when we take our gifts and we may be using them in places where they're not celebrated the way that they should be. And so the first time I had a chat with Melissa about this topic, I was so inspired by her. I felt that she really embodied a career kind of corporate workplace vibe of redefining wealth, if that makes sense. She was talking very holistically about what we can do. And so Purpose Chasers asked for it. And immediately I thought of Melissa and here we are. Melissa helps everyone from movers and shakers up to those in the corner office rediscover what makes them unique so they can land their dream job in a forward thinking company where their ideas are listened to, valued and supported. She brings insights from having worked in 16 business units, including human resources in New York, Paris, and London. And additionally, in her former corporate career, she worked on billion-dollar brands for P&G and on IBM for Ogilvy and Mather. Later, as the founder and CEO of Career Outcomes Matter, Melissa created a three-step sellable strengths process, which has been the centerpiece of her clients' results. She applies this method consistently to support mid-level professionals up to the C-suite to get into Fortune Global 500 organizations and agencies. Without further ado, here is Melissa Lorena. Welcome to the Redefining Wealth podcast, Melissa. Thank you, Patrice. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have an opportunity to introduce my audience to you. So I always like to give a little backstory if there is backstory. And the one with us is that we actually met at Podcast Movement, right? Absolutely. And you were at my session and we had a nice little chat after and then had an opportunity to talk on the phone or do a Zoom. We did a Zoom Mm -hmm. together. And I was so impressed with your passion for just helping people. Um, because in our community, one of our big pillars is the work pillar Hmm. and it's about living your life's purpose. And one of the things that I noticed on your website is you talk a lot about is your career in alignment. And that is essentially what I'm really passionate about for my community is that they are doing something that is in alignment with who they really believe they're called to be. Because I think that whenever you're more aware of your purpose, then you can better set your financial priorities as well. And you kind of embody that. Everything that I was reading on your website and as I was kind of baby stalking you the last couple of weeks, really reading on (laughs) on your articles on different platforms and stuff, I was just really impressed with how practical you were and how you just convey this information. So I'm excited, but I want to start by you kind of giving us a bit about your background. What made you so passionate about helping people create a career they can love? Sure. So thank you for that, Patrice. Yes. I mean, it was so interesting just being at the podcast event and watching you on stage really just convey that enthusiasm and passion that you really encouraged me to walk up to you after the event. So I appreciate your openness to the conversation. And thank you so much for inviting me to have a conversation with you and your community What's really interesting in terms of what got me here, and you know, I'm a career coach and I really focus in on seasons marketers who want to almost reset their careers, right? So maybe they're pivoting or maybe they're going out of one situation, one vertical and wanting to get into another. But what got me here is really, you know, it's been a long path. And so it started in 1997. So it was really interesting because back then, I really started my career on the corporate side. So I worked at Chase before the merger and I was only 17 years old, but I had this amazing opportunity at Chase to work for them for four years while I was attending undergraduate here in in New York area. And 
really, I had access to such amazing senior executive leaders. And I also had access to so much professional development that what I would do for fun, and it might seem a little interesting, but this was really fun for me, was almost have these like little powwows with my friends in my dorm and just go through their resumes (laughs) and go through their interviewing skills and really just help them do a better job of selling them themselves in a professional setting. And that started when I was a teenager. And when we know you were called to do this. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, there was no mistake for me that I've always been called to be a teacher of some sort. And when it came to accessing this new information for me at the time, I just noted, I noticed my peers being very uncertain in what they were called to be and do. And I noticed back then that I had a role that I could play. And so I did. And that was informally, right? So it started a bit as a, as a hobby. And then it morphed into something more formal when I went and, and became a mom. And when I became a mom in 2011, that's exactly when I built my business, Career Outcomes Matter, and started coaching professionals across all functions, actually. And I noticed that a lot of people were, to your point and and part of what you do, were chasing money. They were certainly chasing money over their purpose. It's almost like their purpose took a back seat. Mm -hmm. And, And it was incredibly frustrating to hear that, to see that. And it was something that just drove me to do something about it because these were really capable people that you admire from the outside, but you have no idea how unhappy they might actually be to do their job. Yeah. And I saw somewhere where you said when it comes to your career that we should be able to reach our full potential. We should be able to contribute in a meaningful way and leverage the skills and experiences we already have. And so I can only imagine it's frustrating when you see people who have all the potential in the world, but are they really reaching it? And I want to talk about that because I think we hear it often, but what does reaching one's full potential really mean in your space? Sure. So in my space, it's it's interesting, right? Because what I do is I coach marketers. And as a marketer, you're classically trained to really focus on a target audience or a specific community and market products or services to that very particular group. And when I think about, you know, reaching your potential, to me, it's really that alignment between who you are truthfully behind closed doors versus who you market to. And sometimes that's not in alignment. So I've coached professionals that are, for example, very health and wellness conscious, who then in turn do marketing for beverage businesses or food products that they never drink or eat. And so that's out of alignment. And in that setting, it's really hard to reach your potential when you are impacted by external factors. So I'll give you one very specific example. If you are aligned, then the fact that your boss is a micromanager, it wouldn't bother you as much because you're in it to support a very specific community. You are so excited about what you're doing to serve that target audience that the outside environment won't stop you. Nothing will get in your way because that is your business and your mission. And for me, that's reaching your your potential. It's being in a situation where no matter how hard it is, what you're doing matters so much to you that you will relentlessly overcome any challenge to get your mission accomplished. Now, Melissa, I know you're Latina, but are you used to hearing people say, preach, girl, preach? (laughs) Something like that. You know what I I hear? I hear, hallelujah. Okay. Hallelujah. Let the Holy Spirit come out that I've heard. (laughs) Yes. You are preaching though. I love it. You are so right. Because a lot of times when women come to me also, you know, for coaching with finances, they'll say, well, Patrice, I don't know how to budget or, you know, it's Mm -hmm. my credit or they think it's that. And when we really get into it, Melissa, their biggest problem is that they're unfulfilled at work. So they're using 
their income to try to fill a void, right? So they keep thinking, well, if I chase this next thing, this next thing, the bigger, the better, the brighter, but they're not necessarily using their gifts in the right industry. Or I tell them sometimes you're not, you're just not in the right ministry or you're not in the right place. And so you're continuously frustrated and you're mismanaging money trying to fill that void. You don't have a problem understanding that you should not be spending this much money. You understand that. But the feelings you get caught up in, the emotional overwhelm you have from hating what you do or hating what you do in this particular environment is the problem. And so if you could do that in a better space or in a a better fit for you, some of these money problems would immediately disappear. And they do. Absolutely. A lot of times it's really about being very, very honest with yourself. I mean, the real problem, right? So what is the real problem when it comes to your career decisions? What I hear from my clients has been traditionally this lack of time to make a career move or just inability to, you know, switch into the vertical that makes sense or the industry that makes sense. All of these these limitations that they place on themselves or honestly, they've heard from bosses or from corporate environments. Who can you talk to? Who can't you talk to? There's all these limitations. And I think what we often do or what I've noticed in my clients, and this is a worldwide scenario, so not just limited to here, the United States, but worldwide, what the real problem is, this sense of true honesty with yourself. And it's interesting because it requires you to ask yourself really hard questions. And a lot of times what happens is that while we feel these limitations, while we feel frozen, unable to even apply to a job because it seems so out of reach, what ends up happening is that we rationalize the decisions that we do make. So we will go and work for a certain, you know, healthcare organization as one example. And in our minds, we'll say, well, at some point down the line, and I mean, they're looking at this from a very long supply chain or value chain perspective, somewhere down the line, the consumer is going to benefit from that product that I'm marketing when in their hearts, they still feel unfulfilled, but they rationalize working for an employer and they rationalize the community that they support. And, and it's like, we're lying to ourselves to be very honest. Yeah. I call rationalizing, literally rationing out lies. Mm. Like we lie to ourselves and then we lie to others about why we do what we do. When we know in our heart of hearts that it's just not a fit. But again, that's a part of what chasing money looks like. And I tell people, I know you have bills. I know you have your own things that you have to take care of. I get it. But so many of us have skills and experiences right under our noses. And we, instead of exploring what those are or how we can use those in different places, we'd rather just saddle. Is it fear, Melissa? It's interesting. Some would say it's it's not having the right words to articulate your message. And that's that's how a marketing professional might think about it. They just don't know what to say to convince someone to take a risk on them because maybe they haven't done something before. But what I'll say is this, that there absolutely is a lot of fear and it's it's the fear of being judged. A lot yeah. of times when you're in a career, you've made some some commitments. Either you've made commitments to your family or you've made commitments to the outside world. Or what I've noticed is also someone that's extremely successful. There's this whole notion of inertia. And when you're really, really successful, yet still unfulfilled, it's really hard for you to get out of that hamster wheel. Really hard because Mm -hmm. you're getting all the bonuses, you're getting all the praise, you're getting the money. And so it's enough to almost just tone down or lower the volume on that little voice in your mind that's saying, you know what? You know, you don't really, really care about the results of that campaign, or you don't really, really care about a particular product or service, but hey, you might really care about the paycheck. And so that keeps you tied into the system where you'll never know. You'll never know what it feels like to actually work on something and support a community that you truly believe in. And that's, that makes me sad. That makes me really sad. Yeah. 
It does. And I, t- I, I meet people like that every day the, where the unfulfillment is just consuming them and they don't even realize it. It's just manifesting in so many different areas from their relationships to even their physical health, their mental well-being in so many areas. But I'm getting a check. I'm getting a bonus. But that is one of the real purposes behind redefining wealth is just reminding people that wealth is more than money and material possessions. And you deserve well-being. You deserve to feel a sense of pride about what your contribution is. Not just for the money, just because it feels so in alignment with what you feel purposed or called to do in this world. Completely. You say say to leverage your skills into your next role, you kind of need these three P's, I'll call them packaging, positioning, and pitching. Can you break that down for us? Sure. So when it comes to, you know, leveraging your skills for your next role, what I like to say is that when you look at your career experiences, really look at your career history as exactly that history. And if you want to pivot into something new, what you need to do is start to create some sort of language around selling your potential. And the way that you can sell your potential are through my three P's, which is packaging what you've done in a way that makes sense with your target organization or the company that you really want to work for. So you have to package yourself. And and this is really taking the thinking from just classical marketing, using the same frameworks and strategies that you would use in order to build a billion dollar brand. We're turning them on you right? So you want to package yourself. And the second step there is then positioning you. So it's really about figuring out who your target audience is in terms of who gets to decide whether or not you're interviewed, who gets to decide whether or not you're an interesting job candidate. So you want to position yourself while really considering what matters to that person, to your target audience. And there's a lot of research that's involved because ultimately you want to be ready to pitch yourself. And that's the third P. So when it comes to pitching yourself, it is at that stage that you should be in your mind completely convinced that you can effectively do the job, but then also you have to really know yourself and just have everything that you've done in the past in a way that's understood by an interviewer and be convinced that, you know, you're the right person. You're better than anyone that sat next to you in the job interview waiting room, right? So mm-hmm. packaging yourself just like a product or service would be packaged, positioning yourself so you're not in a vacuum, you are being compared with other people, and then having the confidence to pitch yourself or just compel or convince someone to take a chance on you. Those three steps are critical if you want to pivot or if you want to move laterally anywhere around the world. So I want to go back to positioning because you said something really key, which was about positioning yourself for the audience Mm -hmm. that is basically the decision maker. Like who do you need to essentially get in front of and who's going to be making these types of decisions? Do you think that sometimes people think of positioning based on just what they want and not thinking about the audience, like the what and not the who? Like, is there, you know, very specific things or language you can use so that you support the positioning? Because I think we get caught up in what we want and not what they need or what they what they want. If that makes sense. Completely makes sense. So it's it's interesting. So as a marketer, right? So for those of you out there that are marketers, when you think about the idea of really selling a product or service, there's been a change in thinking. So first, we would say things like, these are all our our features and all our benefits by the product. And that's kind of where we left things. What I'm suggesting as a job candidate in an interview setting or when you're networking or positioning yourself is really think to yourself, what's the business challenge that I can solve? And how can I, in this scenario, when I'm talking to this person, this decision maker, how can I talk their language and talk to precisely what matters to them most, right? Mm. So 
that takes a lot of, as Patrice was saying, baby stalking. <laughs> it really <laughs> does. You have to really be mindful that people's online presence, although private in many settings, it's important for you to at least take a sneak peek to see what people are saying about different things in their careers, in their realms, in their organizations, so that you can coincidentally, and I say that with quotes, you can coincidentally speak their language and really play up to their interests. And so positioning, it's really figuring out, okay, I need to position myself and I need to position myself in light of something else. And that something else is what matters most to decision makers. I love that. And so that means that for different opportunities, you have to continue to be diligent about your research. It's not cookie cutter. Wow. When in terms of research, I got I have to just share with the audience that research is it's game changing, right? So there's a huge difference between a job candidate that does their research and that doesn't do their research. I mean, Research can be the difference between you going after a director level opportunity and being invited to interview for a VP level opportunity instead. And I've Mm. seen that with my clients. So when we, you know, really get ready for positioning for a particular interview, you absolutely need to do research. And it's not just limited to the corporation. It really does matter in terms of the individual people with whom you are meeting. And sometimes you don't have that list ahead of time. So you take a couple of educated guesses. Will you be talking to a finance person, a marketer, operations person? Get to know what really matters to each individual sort of person in that function and then play up to their interests. Have stories in your back pocket that you can share that will matter to those different individuals. There's so much work that can be done from a research perspective, Patrice, that it's it's pretty unlimited. It's just limited by how much time you have. But ultimately, you need to be so nimble in that interview room. And the best way is if you did your homework before getting into that interview room so that you're not so nervous about your answers and you can adjust based on the conversations. If someone is in a position right now where they are completely unfulfilled, I don't know how you could be too busy to do the research. Like if there is an opportunity out there that has your name written all over Mm -hmm. it, it's essentially like the job description was written for you, then there's no such thing as being too busy. In my opinion, Melissa, like we make time for the things that matter, right? And you're not looking for time. You make the time because... This is the difference between staying where you are and being miserable and unfulfilled, quite possibly, or just no more opportunities for you to advance. And then you being able to go and be in a place where your skills and your background are just totally appreciated and you are so fulfilled and in so much alignment with what's going on around you that you just want to burst from excitement and, you know, just professional fulfillment. So I don't think that there's a way to be too busy. I think that you have to be willing to put the work in. That's just my thought. Because even as a self-employed person, when I have different opportunities to work with brands, let's say, I do my research. I'm the same way. I looked for people who I knew were going to be in the room, even if we only got the list maybe a day or two before. And I've been flown to corporate offices to meet with people as an influencer. And I made connections about my daughter playing volleyball because I saw on someone's Twitter that their kids play volleyball. It was literally just in the opening, like finding a way to seed that in. And it was like, oh, you do too? Wow. Like it just, it made it so much easier to have the business conversation because I had created a personal connection just in the first maybe 20 minutes of being in the space. And so I still, I still maintain that people also want to hire work with people they like. Like, you know, as much as you, you know, there's a lot of talented people, but is there something to be said for also just being personable and, and sharing maybe some of those real aspects of you being a real human being and having a family or other interests or, you know, or is it all just the work stuff? Cause I've never been in corporate America. Well, the interesting thing is that 
what you're saying is really, really important, Patrice, in terms of bringing a sense of humanity and authenticity to the workplace. And there's so much research that says that the best leaders, they know how to engage and inspire others. And this is research that's worldwide. And in order to do that, in order to engage and inspire others, it's important for you to come across as authentic, as human, as having compassion and being empathetic as well. So there's all these like soft skills that ironically are very, very important the more senior you are in an organization. So you might have started your skills, you know, or your careers earlier, really based on the fact that you bring these technical skills, you know how to Mm -hmm. execute on certain things. But then as you move up in any role, it's more about these soft skills, which really boil down to being human being able to have a conversation with someone and express to them that you care, that you are a person, that you want to learn about that other person, you know, beyond the day-to-day. And it's interesting because from a recruitment perspective, because I've spoken with several recruiters so that my clients have access to what really matters behind the scenes. But what they tell me is, you know, when they look at LinkedIn, for example, they'll look to see if there's shared interest in what you are putting out there to the world versus what happens in the teams that they're recruiting for. So for example, if they know that a particular team enjoys skiing as one example, if you happen to have that as an interest on your LinkedIn profile, it makes you more of a fit than if you didn't have anything mentioned on your LinkedIn profile. So some of this is is tactical on LinkedIn, but then in the interview setting, really, I'm a proponent of, and I've introduced the art of storytelling because of this fact, but I think in terms of all of the clients that I've coached, the ones that really stand out and have gotten the best offers, so there is money at the end of the tunnel, are the ones who are confident enough in their skills that they can have a genuine conversation during a job interview. If you can shift your thinking from being more corporate-y or using a lot of jargons or just sticking to a, a framework for interviewing, if you can make the shift from those ideas that a lot of people rely on to more of storytelling in an interview setting and sharing your humanity, sharing your emotions when you actually had those career wins, expressing what those career wins mean or meant to you. If you can have that sort of a conversation and talk about how the person that really inspired you was really your grandmother, not, you know, Warren Buffett, then (laughs) then you stand out. You completely stand out. I agree. I agree. Like I said, I don't, you know, I've never been on a formal interview, Melissa. Like I've never had, I used to say all the time, I've never had a real job. Mm. So I know a lot of my audience though are career women in particular, though they may have entrepreneurial aspirations on the side, they are moving up and through corporate America or, you know, the government sector or whatever. And it's really important to me that I have people like you who can share because all I can do is hypothesize, right? Like I'm like, I believe this or that, but I don't know it to be true. And this is what you do every day. So I love that you share that humanity piece because I just don't see how you can go wrong unless you, <laughs> well, I do see how some can go wrong if you are, I'm all for the humanity piece, but it was funny. I was thinking of someone kind of talking about their grandma and crying in the interview. And I'm like, I'm not saying do all that, but I don't know how you could go wrong being human. I have done really well being myself. I can't always say that it was the most politically correct version. I don't know, but I do know that people are very clear about the passion that I have for what I do and for who I do it for, right? Like I am super passionate about that and it comes across in every way. And I think it's made the difference in the opportunities that I have received. But again, I haven't been in corporate America. So this is something else that I don't know how true it is. That's why I have you here to help me break (laughs) this down because my assumption is that despite the educational advancement of women and people of color in particular, Mm -hmm. that we still just don't see enough of them in the C-suite opportunities. Now, I can say that from going to speak at 
corporate lunch and learns and coming into some of these buildings that unfortunately, when I meet the executive teams, I'm still seeing a lot of white men. I'm not necessarily seeing a lot of women or in particular people of color. And I want to know from you, is there a difference in the way women or minorities may put these three P's into place versus others? Or is it just a mindset thing? Like, what are your thoughts on that? And how can we improve if there is a difference? So it's in terms of the clients that I support, I made a decision to be open to both supporting men and women. And then, of course, a decision to support anyone in terms of, you know, cultural background, et cetera. And what that did for me was essentially, and it's a little something what's going behind the scenes when I coach people, but essentially is I've taken some of the skills that I've noticed predominantly in men that's been really effective for them. So that might be, for instance, self-promotion and doing so with confidence. And then I've taken skills from women that I've noticed in terms of strong relationship building skills and I've cross-pollinated. So because I coach people that are from all walks of life, I really enjoy taking the best of all these different communities that I've supported and giving them almost like the insider sort of track, right? So I'll coach a female, for instance, to be more okay and open with promoting herself. And I'll coach a man with, you know, really being more interested in building long-term relationships. And so in terms of some of the differences that I have noticed, you're right. A lot of times when I coach a female, she might approach me with this lack of of confidence, right? So not feeling comfortable in really selling everything that she's done in the past to a prospective employer, almost like downplaying her efforts, downplaying the fact that she played a lead on the team. Where that comes from, it really depends. So there have been some professionals that they've been hit really hard in their careers. Either they've been let go or they left the workforce. So maybe like a working parent or they went on a sabbatical and they've just forgotten what it means to be in a corporate setting. So that might be from there. In terms of men, what's interesting is that A lot of times in corporate settings, I believe that some of these settings, I mean, they were, they were created for a lot of men, right? And Mm -hmm. just looking at the policies, maternity leave and all of that. So in, in light of what they know that they had to do in their careers, they came into the workforce thinking to themselves, not everyone, but some of them, you know, I have to leave my mark in, in corporate. I have to be known. I have to be marketable because For me, career is an all-in, all-the-time thing. I'm not going to leave the workforce at any moment. And so that's just something that is is a dynamics in terms of what I'm seeing from my clients as far as men and as far as women. As far as people of color, what's interesting from that perspective, and, you know, I speak fairly generally. Of course, you have differences amongst different communities. But what I'm noticing is this whole idea of, who is my paradigm? Who is my mentor in my organization? Who can I look towards as that person who already has what I have? And so what I often coach my clients to think through is beyond that perspective of what they might see visually in terms of race or ethnicity, et cetera, but really look at someone that you admire. So A, they are a strong leader. B, they're also someone that that you respect. And so for me, respecting someone that I look up to is really, really important. Mm -hmm. And so having that North Star, so to speak, is something that I encourage a lot of my clients who who are members of of our communities. It's, It's important to think beyond someone that necessarily looks like you because maybe that person is not there yet. Mm -hmm. But the way for you to fill that void, right, is is to basically follow their steps, follow their steps. And don't let fear stand in your way. Don't let fear of being different or fear of not being heard standing your way. Kind of to quote 
you, Patrice, you know, be their walking contradiction, right? <laughs> yes. So it's, it's important to just really decide for yourself that your career choices, other people are watching you. And what you do is important. And what you say is important. And I think, I think it takes a certain level of courage in order to take action on those ideas. It does. I also think you brought up for people who leave the workplace, and we know that this happens quite frequently with women who leave to have children or to take care you know, of a family member, any number of things, take whatever sabbatical they may need. And it takes courage to come back to corporate America. And especially when people's, you know, when your self-worth is really tied into your job title quite a bit, for a lot of people, those jobs give them the meaning, right? Or the purpose in their lives. And so if they've had to take some time away and they come back and they were unemployed for whatever amount of time, that can be really damaging to their confidence. And we had a purpose chaser. That's the name of the folks who support the Redefining Wealth podcast. And we talk a lot about what topics they want to hear about. And one of the questions that I received recently was about rebuilding your confidence when you're re-entering the workplace. How does taking those types of sabbaticals or having to take time off for child rearing or whatever these different things may be, how do you see that impacting people and how do they come back with confidence? In terms of really building your confidence after leaving the workforce, I think what's really what's really interesting is there is this whole idea that our worth and our skills are really tied to only what we do in an office setting, work environment, corporations around the world, and are completely not the case as a mom as one example, or when we're, you know, experiencing a sabbatical and working on something else, our side hustle or something. I think what's, what's something that, or something that a lot of my clients tend to forget early on when, you know, we're coaching is that what you do personally, absolutely 100% adds value in a corporate setting as well. So being a mom, what's really, really encouraging for me is that I live in a community where there's several, several moms that are stay-at-home moms, and I'll have conversations with them, and often is the case that they have an enormous amount of access to people, brilliant ideas. I mean, they're the ones that, and we all know this, they're the ones that at night when their husbands, as one example, are, you know, putting together those presentations, they're the ones that are almost feeding them some of the bullet points to add to those presentations. Story of my life. (laughs) Exactly. And it's so interesting how we forget that or we just don't count that as work relevant experience. And it's a shame because it is 100% work relevant experience. I, I, I tend to have this joke that there's just so much, there's so much access amongst stay at home moms as one community, because what I've noticed is, you know, some of these stay at home moms, like they're friends with other stay at home moms and in their past lives, so to speak, the moms were managing, you know, multi-million dollar budgets, working on huge name brands. I mean, doing these things that are just like unbelievable. You become a mom, you give birth to a child, you don't let go of your ambition. Not at all. I mean, you can absolutely get back on the same path or accelerate, I dare say, after becoming a parent, because now you might have a more compelling why or reason to do the work that you want to do. The other thing, you know, for someone that goes on a sabbatical, so thinking about a man, for instance, going on a sabbatical, I had a client who did just that and he decided to focus on carpentry. And that was something that he 
really enjoys doing, you know, on the side. And when he did that, him and his wife also traveled around the world. How are you going to tell me that his travels, his experience working with wood, working with his hands, seeing a product from the beginning to the end, how is that not going to add value when he's working for a retailer, working on some sort of omni-channel experience that is global? How is that not relevant? It's our job, your job, right? To really, again, package what you did, even in your personal life, in a way that is properly positioned based on the person with whom you're speaking to, and that you can confidently pitch. I've seen this in so many settings, Patrice, in terms of, again, personal experiences that are very, they are on the surface a little more complicated to put a tangible number to in terms of your impact, but still make the case that or make the argument that what you did during that time, quote unquote, off is absolutely of value to a prospective employer. And part of that could also be the relationships that you built during that time of your life. Yeah. It all boils down to how you tell the story. Exactly. Right? Just how you tell the story, how you package, position and pitch it. Like it all comes down to that. Man, I could talk to you about this all day, Melissa. I love it. I'm going to end though with asking you some redefining wealth rapid wisdom questions. So I'll ask you a few things and you just tell us the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Okay. How do you define success? Success to me is really about doing what you can with what you have, making it work based on what you already have inside of you and not needing anything outside of yourself to actually move forward in your life. Mm, That's good. But you're not talking about not asking for support, like if you need support, but it's just knowing that you have it, like you have the fundamentals to get it done. You are limitless. You really are. You really are. You don't, I mean, a lot of folks that come to me, they might feel like, okay, I don't have all the proper training to go after this job, or I don't have, you know, all these resources that are necessary in order to pull off this particular initiative. And and I want to just say that chances are you have these things, mm-hmm. but you need to, use them. And it takes courage to be very truthful, to use them because you will face, you will face some judgment, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's got to be worth it. And if, and if you're in that, in that situation where you're truly on purpose, again, it won't matter what other people think because you're on purpose. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter what other people think if you're doing something where you're aligned. Yes. Validation not required. I love it. Okay. How do you define wealth in three words or less? Wealth, hmm, being yourself always. Yes. What's one book that has redefined how you see wealth? Maybe Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. Mm-hmm. I have my 17-year-old nephew reading that right now. He reads that's it an, every night. Yeah, That's an excellent choice. Yes, love it. Fill in the blank. My name is, and the truth about wealth is. My name is Melissa Larina, and the truth about wealth is it's within your reach. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Thank you so much, Melissa. Thank you, Patrice. Really enjoyed this conversation. I know that it's going to be a blessing to so many, and I know that many people in the audience are folks who I won't say are unfulfilled, but I know that so many people that I hear from on a daily basis, they feel that call and that tug to do something else, to pivot, to go to the next level in whatever their industry is. And sometimes they just need a bit of encouragement. And I know that you said several things that, that probably will send people over the edge. <laughs> like, I would love this that. might be the episode that really encourages people to stop settling and to go for more because they, they deserve the fulfillment that comes with it. And so I thank you so much for being a champion 
of people creating a career that they truly love and feel that they're living their highest potential with. And yeah, I just appreciate you. Thank you, girl. Thank you. Thank you. No, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's amazing that, you know, that your community would want to really just feel that alignment. And I wanted to just say one very quick point, which was that really the community that you're meant to serve, they're the ones waiting for you. They're the ones that are just, they're, they're begging you to serve them. So let's think about the people you really want to serve as the ones that need to get the support and love only you can give. Only you can give. Absolutely right. Thank you so much, Melissa. I appreciate you. Thank you. Have an amazing day, Patrice. You too, hon. Now, didn't I tell you that Melissa was powerful? I really think that whether you are in a corporate career or you're an entrepreneur, that you really want to look at her three Ps. You really have to take a look. Go back and listen if you have to. But this idea of looking at your packaging and positioning and pitching is so necessary, whether you are trying to get the next job or really score that big client in your own business or even if it's a part of your sales process, really, and just how you bring clients into your business, whatever it is for you, I just truly believe that it helps to have some type of system that you're following. And if you are a purpose chaser, let's talk about it. Let's talk about one, whether you're in the career that you love, what you need to do, what are next steps based on this episode in order to actually help you get there. You can join us at IamAPurposeChaser.com where each week we dissect whatever is discussed on the podcast and just look for ways to really make it applicable. And I think the best part about it is, is that we have created such a safe space and a sacred space that when people share authentically, the rest of us get to learn or get to have our additional aha moment beyond the podcast. And to my purpose chasers, I appreciate you so much for that. So if you want to join us and be a part of the official community for the Redefining Wealth podcast, just head to IamAPurposeChaser.com and look at the different options and hopefully you'll join us there. And for everyone, you can always start a conversation in social media at SeekWisdomPCW. Very active on Instagram in particular. So join me at SeekWisdomPCW and let me know your thoughts. We'll have links to Melissa's site and all of her info in the show notes. So if you want to follow up with her or just reach out to her and thank her for any nugget of wisdom you received, I always say give people their flowers while they're here. Let her know she was a blessing to you. And other than that, until next time, I want you to go live your life's purpose, find fulfillment and earn more without ever chasing money. Talk to you later. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.